Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right, do a little bit of a story time here. I thought I'd start with a story that would illustrate my point, and I'll share, um, ah, some of you have heard this story already, and that's okay. I'll share it again, and I'm sure I'll find another way to share it again at some other time. But uh, I have lots of uh, different body issues. I'm going to share one of them with my neck. I seem to injure myself somewhat frequently. It's a pattern that I don't know if I'll ever break. Uh, but years ago, I had an accident. It was, oh, not an accident, but it was at a, a theme park. I had whiplash on my neck, and it caused some issues. That was when I was, I think, 10. So very, very young, uh, or actually, I might have been, even been nine. Had that whiplash, went to the chiropractor a few times, you know, frozen peas, and everything's fine. Um, obviously, years later, we discovered everything wasn't totally fine. There was neck issues there, but always manageable. So even to this day, I have neck issues, mobility issues and that kind of stuff, but it's totally manageable (laughs) with ibuprofen and chiropractic. So that's how I manage it. But a number of years ago, I think it would have been about 15 years ago, I went through a three and a half year span where it was no longer manageable, where it was so horrific that I missed, the first year I missed, I think, over three months of work. And we had little kids in the home at the time, and I couldn't play with them. I couldn't do anything with them. It was awful. And so I still remember when it started, I was actually walking up the stairs at uh, our first house, uh, 8 Fairmont there, and I was walking up the stairs, and I heard a pop. I'd never heard that before. Heard a pop. I could feel it. And suddenly, I just couldn't move my neck. Like nothing. Actually, that's not totally true. I had a little bit to the left. No up, no down, no right. So left, like that. (laughs) It was terrible. So what did I do? Well, I mean, I trust in the Lord, right? So obviously you trust in the Lord. The first thing you do is go into prayer. I passed that first step. I did. First thing I did was I went to prayer, but the thing I sensed in prayer made no sense. And what what the Lord gave me is a picture, and he rarely gives me pictures, usually words, but here I got a picture, and the picture showed I I saw what I thought to be my spine. I'm actually, I have no idea what my spine looks like, but it looked like my, my neck and I could see these black, oozy hands around my neck, and I got the word death. Now, that might sound scary to some of you, but I felt like this was, what the sense was is that this was a spiritual attack, and I mean, how did I respond to that? Well, my response was, clearly this is not spiritual, Lord. This has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. This is a physical problem. I remember writing it in my journal. I remember where I was sitting. This is a physical problem. So I wanted something more helpful from him, something more helpful on what to do here because I was crying out to him with my problem. Well, over the next three uh, three months, right, uh, I started going and seeing specialists, but I also had an idea. I went to my dad and we started talking about uh, healing prayer. We thought, maybe we'll try healing prayer on this. It's a physical issue. And I, I remember sitting in his office here at the church and it was in there. We, we had been praying for it for a couple of weeks, and we'd been kind of working on it and praying on it, praying for it, and I'm still going to the Cairo and massage and hadn't tried doctors yet. And I remember the, the moment when we were in his office, and he prayed for it, and I saw that picture again. I saw the picture of those black hands, and I saw, like, light coming through. And as I saw the—this is in my mind. I'm seeing it, this light coming through. I felt the pop again. And this time, the pop went— and my neck felt 100%. Like, I was flexible. I could touch my feet. It was amazing. Like, I was flexible like Lance. Sorry, some of you don't know the reference there, but 
my family at home will be laughing, or they should be, on cue, laugh. Uh, but anyhow, I was flexible. The pain was gone. I, I told everyone I was healed. God healed me. It was incredible. It was incredible. I, I remember walking, you know, coming to church and seeing Vashon Penner and telling him he asked how my neck was doing at the time. He probably forgets that. But I said, hey, I'm healed. Showed him how I could touch my toes, my flexibilities back. I feel great. This is awesome. And two weeks exactly from the day where I was healed, I felt that pop again and I couldn't move. And at this point, I wasn't, I don't know that discouraged is the right word to describe what I felt. I was angry. I was angry because I felt like the Lord had given me something. He had given me a gift, and now he had taken it away. In my mind, it felt so clear that this was given and taken away directly by him. And so I went to him in prayer to complain. And he made a statement to me because, remember, he had already showed me something in the first time I went to him in prayer, and I rejected that. Now, this time we're praying for healing. He gives it to me. I felt like, and then two weeks later, it's gone. And this time when I prayed, I I felt like he had said to me, Stefan, I want you to know that I have the power to take this away from you if I so choose. I could take it away, but it's better for you. It's better for you. And I couldn't understand that. I was so annoyed by that, and I didn't want to share it with anyone. But what do you mean it's better for me? How is this better for me to miss work? How is it better for me to be in pain? How is it better for me? And I could list off all the things to to not be able to play with my kids. How is it better for me to be stuck on the couch? The Lord was working on something deeper in me that was more important than, than those things, even though those things are important. Three years in, now we're three years in. That was that three months in. Now we're going three years in, and at this point now I've seen any and all specialists that I can think of. People have referred me this way and that way and back to and fro from each other, trying to figure it out. No one can figure out why my neck goes pop, and then it's out for two to three weeks at a time, and I can't move, and I'm in horrible pain. No one can figure it out. And so I'm going from one place to the next, and I finally end up at the Health Science Center. And they were doing, met with a neurologist there, and this was the final straw. We had gone to everything else, we had done everything else, and at this point, this is my final hope. And I'll have to tell you, my pride at this point has been completely stripped away. I'm humiliated to go out in public because, (laughs) pride, right? It's a wonderful thing, but I, I always prided myself in my own ability to just be strong, to be able to push through, to, to not stop. I don't, I don't give up. And here I was in this spot where instead of people seeing me as strong, the first question was always, oh, what's wrong with your neck? Are you okay? And you, you get that question from well-meaning people, <laughs> that, right? And I'm inside, it's like a knife driving further and further every time I hear it. And now I'm sitting in this office at the Health Science Center, and we're waiting, me and my wife are there, and we're waiting for these results to come in. This is the final, they've now scanned everything, they're going to tell me what is wrong. And I'm sitting there, and this is legitimately the thoughts, I'm not trying to be melodramatic here, but I'm, I'm, re- I'm literally thinking, I hope this is something as bad or, or a tumor. Like, if this could be something like that, that would explain the last three years, I'll deal with anything, whatever it is, as long as it's something real. As long as it's something real, I'll take it. And when the doctor came in, he looked at us and said, well, we found you have a slightly herniated disc, which I still have, and some bone spurs, but nothing, 
Nothing that should be causing what you're going through right now. And my heart sank. It sank. I felt so crushed and deflated. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to crawl into a hole. Like, how can you go through three years of this, and at the end of it, there's nothing wrong? What do you mean there's nothing wrong? So I went home, and (laughs) I was getting, by the way, some of the steps. At least I was still doing the prayer. At the time, we had uh, Tim Ryan was here. You guys remember Tim Ryan? Oh, I love him and miss him, but... Tim Ryan was here, and he was running Sozo in the auditorium, and, and uh, it was a Sozo night. It happened to be, I think, the, the day after I'd gone to the doctor, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to Sozo prayer. I'm going to get healing prayer. I'm going to go get prayer, whatever I need. I'm just going there, and I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, at the time, I didn't, I didn't know them as well. Well, I knew Paul, uh, but it was Paul Hebert and Brad Elias. <laughs> didn't know that I was going to work with Brad later on, but Brad Elias comes and sits over, and they, they sit next to me. And I, uh, if I remember correctly how it went, in the first you know, spot, they don't really listen to you. It's not about talking and sharing everything. It's actually about just receiving prayer. So they come. They already know some of my issues, but they listened and prayed. And I remember Paul shared something with me, and it was powerful. He's shared many powerful things with me over the years, things that he's prayed for. Uh, for me, on actually, I'm very grateful for that. And then it came to Brad Elias' turn. And he's, he's now got this word, but he's looking at me like, He's not sure what to do. So I look at him and I'm like, well, Brad, like, well, what did you get? And he says, I don't know if I should share it. I'm thinking, I'm three years in, buddy. You better share. Like, I don't care what it is that you have to share. Just spit it out. Just get it out here. I can, I can always, I'm big enough I can handle this if I don't want to receive it. And he says, well, it doesn't make any sense what I'm seeing. I said, well, just please share it, please. For the love of God, please share it. I need something, anything. And he said, well, I know you have a physical problem with your neck. Like, I know this is physical. But I get this picture of your spine, and I see these black hands around it, and I get the word death. And I sobbed before the Lord. Three years earlier, he had told me those same words. Same picture. And I knew better. This is physical. I know how to handle this, Lord. I know how to deal with a neck that goes out. I know what I need in my life and what I do not need. And yet here I was finding out I was being humbled. And the Lord was showing him the same thing he had shown me. And I shared that with him. And that was obviously good confirmation for him. And that led to a different kind of approach now to my neck problem. It led eventually to a family meeting and, and uh, turned into a deliverance session. And I won't go into details on that, but... After that prayer session where we did spiritual warfare and deliverance, I heard that same pop, and the pop has never happened since. Amen? Amen. There was a lesson in there because what is my point in all of this? What was I trusting in? I mean, I would have told you along the way, some of the things I did would have said, well, you're trusting in the Lord except that I I didn't actually trust in the Lord. I didn't trust what he was showing me, right? I I didn't trust. I mean, he told me what it was in the beginning, and I blatantly did not listen. And now I get it, because sometimes we're not sure, right? We're not sure. It's not necessarily that, that, that you have ill intent towards the Lord. I'm not trying to disobey Exactly, but at the same time, I'm not sure if what I'm receiving is right. So I'm instead of going to, you know, instead of trusting, 
that conviction in my heart, even though I don't know, wait a second, that sounds a bit like faith, doesn't it? Right? Faith, the belief in something unseen that you haven't seen. Instead of having faith, I said, I'm not sure. I'm going to trust in my own understanding. And it also revealed another area that I struggled in, and that was that I, I was trusting in my image, in my own strength, in my ability to get things done. And all of that was stripped away for a three-year period. You see, pressure and, a pain, pressure and pain, they have, an, they have a way of revealing to us where our hearts are trusting in for strength. They always will. It requires that because without pressure and pain, we all say the Lord. <laughs> I'm Christians. Not everyone says the Lord, but believers do. All self-respecting believers, we say, well, the Lord, of course I trust in the Lord for strength. I follow him with all my heart. And I'm not even saying that we're trying to be deceptive with that. I, I believe that when we say that, we mean it. To the best of our ability, to the best of what we know how, we are going to trust the Lord with all of our heart. But the Lord in his mercy will allow the flame of the refiner's fire, pressure and pain to build in our lives because he sees the things that are deep down inside. And he loves us enough to allow those things to come out in this lifetime so we can stand before him with confidence later. So what are some of the signs we're, we're going to get into? How do we know then when our trust is misplaced, right? What would be some of the signs? Like if I had areas in my life right now that I was not trusting the Lord, what would I look for? What would be the giveaway? Well, we're going to look at four giveaways, signs that we may not be trusting the Lord, warning signs that you may be trusting the wrong source. And the first one is addictive behaviors. Uh, this one's rather simple, uh, but just take a look at addictions. What are addictions? Addictions are people, uh, things, objects. They can be processed addictions, whatever it might be. They could be drugs, alcohol. It could be a plenty of other things. Media. It could be Facebook. It could be a person. Um, it could be pornography. There's lots of things we get addicted to, but why? Because it is our trusted source of peace to medicate our pain. It is our trusted source, right, to make us feel better. So what is that? I mean, an addiction in and of itself then is a, a source of pseudo-strength, right? It is a sign that we are not trusting the Lord in that area. And by the way, being someone who has gone through many addictions, I am not trying to say that it has anything to do with your heart's desire in the sense of what you want. I'm just saying our actions reveal what's really underneath the surface, and I'm saying that action, addictive behaviors, reveals something under the surface that says there is there's an area in your life where you're not trusting in the Lord. Psalms 147 verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord wants to speak into that area, that hurt, that wound. He wants to bring life, and the life he brings is much different than anything that those addictive behaviors can give you. But it takes work. I know it takes work. It takes years of work. In some cases, it might even take a lifetime of work. But it's work that is well worth it as we turn our hearts to the Lord. All right. Fear is another one. Fear and anxiety, but fear. Uh, what causes fear and anxiety in us? There's multiple things. I know there's also chemical imbalances. I'm not talking about that here. But I am talking about fear as an emotion and the anxiety that comes from not knowing things. The fear of the unknown, it drives so many people to so many dysfunctional behaviors. We're afraid, right? We're afraid. What if, what if, like, what if we don't have enough? What if I'm not enough? What if people don't accept me? What if I get it wrong? What if I fail again? 
What if I can never stop blank? What if I'm not lovable? What if there's nothing of value in me? What if the economy tanks? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if I'm found out? What if people see me for who I really am? And fear begins to lead us. But I want you to remember fear is a liar. Don't listen to fear. Don't listen to fear. Philippians says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here we actually have, this is the answer to fear and anxiety. And I'm not saying this is easy. I have struggled with anxiety. I would say chronic anxiety. I get it. I get it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying many things in life are easy. But the Bible also doesn't promise an easy life. But it does show us the way. It does give us hope. It does show us where we need to land. So fear and anxiety is another one, right? It's another sign that there may be something in our lives that we're trusting in other than the Lord. Okay, so the next one here that kind of plays right into that is control. Maybe you seek to control others. Maybe you seek to control your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's people at work. Maybe it's your finances. And you might say, well, yeah, but budgeting and those kinds of things is good. Absolutely it is. Right? But you might have taken that to a place where it's you controlling it, where you actually don't trust the Lord to provide. Or your health, you're going to control it because you actually don't trust the Lord to provide. Right? Or your relationships, you're going to control people because you actually don't trust the Lord to speak to them himself. So control, when we see control in our lives, that should be a red flag, an an alarm bell that something is off, that we need to realign. Something is off, we need to realign. And lastly, the biggest, by far, the biggest hands-down sign, warning sign that we are trusting in something that is not the Lord is this, prayerlessness. You want a surefire way? All of the other ones, I would just say warning sign, prayerlessness, I would say guaranteed. You find yourself not going to prayer, I'll tell you why. It is because you're trusting in someone other than the Lord for blank. Is it not written, is it not written that the Lord owns all and is sovereign over all? Is it not written that we will stand before him and give account for all of our words and actions? Does it not also say that he created everything and he's created us for purpose? We're not accidents. So prayer, that should be the automatic go-to for a believer because if that is true, if he is sovereign over all, if he is king, if he is Lord, then actually seeking direction from him and connecting to him, there is nothing more important than that. First Thessalonians, like this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. <laughs> wow, pray without ceasing. That's a high call, isn't it? I won't go into explaining that now, but I, I think sometimes we start with the explaining that away. Well, that's impossible, so we just discount the whole verse. You can't discount a verse. A prayer life is the best way. You want to see someone's trust or lack thereof? Look at the prayer life. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just in case you thought maybe that pray without ceasing is not maybe God's will for everyone. <laughs> This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then look at that last verse there. Do not quench the Spirit. 
Do not quench the Spirit. So now we've looked at a couple of signs that, you know, we may be trusting in something other than the Lord, but I also wanted to give you a small list um, of things that we actually go to. They're pseudo-strength. Now, they're not all inherently bad in the sense of they're bad in and of themselves, but I will say anything is bad if we're putting it above the Lord. Right? If we're trusting in anything above the Lord, that is something that we need to realign within our own lives. So the first one that we're going to look at here is our ability to understand. This one here, trusting in our ability to understand, has caused believers to leave the faith. This isn't just one that's going to handicap you going through COVID-19, which it might, right? Because it may cause you to be in a tailspin trying to figure out why, how everything's working and why, and what's, what's actual fact and what's not. And then, you know, you may be polarizing and pitting yourself against others because you have to understand it because if you can't understand it, you can't control it, you can't figure it out. Okay, so it might affect you there. But this one here, this source of pseudo-strength, trusting in our ability to understand, shipwrecks people in their faith. And you see it as we approach things like science and understanding things like creation, understanding many things that are found in the Word. We almost change. If this is a struggle of yours, you might change the definition of what faith is. You might see faith as trusting in the things that you understand instead of the things that you don't understand and the things that you do not see. And that's why this is a very important one for us to get. Look at Hebrews 11 here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not, say it with me at home in here, seen, not seen, not understood. Look, at, look what it says at the end of this verse here. It says, For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that here, the universe was created by, God, by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Meaning there is going to be, and by the way, I love science in the sense of it's the discovery of truth. And I actually love the discovery of truth. Uh, especially when it relates to like how human beings, that, that's more what fascinates me more than, than creation. But science in and of itself is not bad at all. There's lots of great things in science. It's the discovery of truth. Discovering creation and then having that bring you back to worship is wonderful. But when you begin to rely upon your understanding of science and your understanding of how things work over the word of God, you're heading into a ditch, a ditch that has shipwrecked many believers. So we want to be careful on that one. We want to be careful on that one. Let's look at another one, and that is people. Now, (laughs) common source of pseudo-strength. Do we not need each other? I think so. We need each other. I believe I might have been the one who said we're better together than alone. (laughs) So I'm not going to say... Sorry, I'm up and down here for the camera, guys. I get antsy. All right, so I'm not going to say that, that people are bad in the sense of we shouldn't be relying on people for strength. You know what? I have friends, I have coworkers that I rely on for strength in the sense of we carry each other, we bear with one another, we, we carry each other's burdens. That's biblical. We love one another. But it's one thing to get strength from each other and to go at this life together, Unified in Christ, the unity of the Spirit, that's one thing. It's another thing entirely when you put your your faith and your trust in other human beings. Meaning it's on them, and it could be a government, it could be the government, it could be a church leader, it could be your spouse. 
but you have an ungodly trust on them. It, it's a dependence, actually, on them that they have to lead you in the right direction. They have to get it right or you fall apart. That's what I'm talking about. That obviously can lead us into a ditch. Paul was frustrated over the same thing in Corinthians. In the beginning of Corinthians, he said, I'm so glad that I didn't baptize any of you because some of them were saying, well, I'm a follower of Apollos and another one was a follower of somebody else. And Paul's like, stop it already. Stop it already. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, you know, because you can see he's not saying that we shouldn't, there's no connection with each other. He is saying, me, what was that? Oh, just a couple of little bumps along the way. I don't think that's a big deal. Thanks for your patience. Oh, and thank you guys so much for figuring out all of these things as they happen. Just get myself all set up here. All right, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul is saying, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And what he's talking about there is, again, you, we can follow people, we can lean on each other, but it's as they follow Christ. Jesus is still the main source of our strength. There we go. All is right as rain. So people, let's look at a third one. And uh, the next couple I'm going to go through fast because I want to get to that last point uh, while we still have time. The third one that is a source of pseudo strength, and that is here, worldly peace. So you might say, what is worldly peace? And I'll tell you what worldly peace is. It is the absence of conflict. And that is often I see believers that get shipwrecked on that one because we're trusting in the absence of conflict in order to get us through in whatever area in our lives. And so anytime conflict comes into our lives or, or some kind of overwhelm or stress, we panic and we fall apart because where is God in all of this? We're supposed to feel this, this feeling of peace, but things aren't working the way they're supposed to and we panic. But yet, Scripture says that we're supposed to have the peace that passes understanding in Philippians 4. It's a peace that passes understanding because it's not rooted in an absence of conflict like worldly peace. It's rooted in a dependence on and the presence of Jesus within our lives. And that is the source of strength that we're supposed to run to. When feeling worldly peace is our guide, it'll lead you into many ditches. Feelings of rejection or loneliness, conflict, anger, sadness, shame, or stress can lead many into destructive relationships, addictions, and other types of self-indulgent behaviors. And so we don't want to trust in worldly peace, the absence of conflict in our lives, as a source of strength. Let's look at the fourth one here. Our own strength. <laughs> Self. This is one that I have struggled in. Our own strength. Our, we, we trust in outcomes or we trust in personal success. My ability to get things done right. I mean, have you ever listened in prayer and gotten a step from the Lord and you've gone and done it and then it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to and now you're disillusioned with prayer? Now you're disillusioned with, was that even the right step? I mean, obviously it wasn't because it didn't turn out the way that I thought it should. <laughs> you see the problem with that statement? Didn't turn out the way I thought it should. <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing it right away. And that is exactly the problem. Imagine being Jeremiah. If you read through the book of Jeremiah. If you want to see someone that, could, that, that couldn't trust his own strength, couldn't trust the outcome... I mean, he was told to go and deliver messages to the king, and it landed him in prison. It landed him in a cistern. It only caused him pain. 
Imagine how difficult that must have been for him to feel like he was doing the right thing. Every time he listened, trusted, and obeyed the Lord, it led him into further trouble. You can see the problem, and, and you can see the problem right away is that arises when we begin to trust our own strength and our own understanding of the outcomes. And I have a story here that I want to share, but I won't because I want to save up for the next one. So our own strength, trusting in outcomes and personal success. And the last one here is security. And I think this one is not something worldwide that believers struggle with everywhere, but I do think, especially in the Western world where we've had so much prosperity, this is an easy one. It's easy to say, I trust in the Lord when we are actually trusting in our own freedoms, our health, and our financial security. And this one here will shipwreck us if things, I mean, especially now with COVID, because it seems like all three of those are being threatened. In 2020, it, it has a lot of our alert flags up because we feel like all three of those categories are being changed. They're being affected. And it's totally natural and normal to be afraid of those things. It totally is. But are we afraid or are we shattered and broken because the trust that we had, the source of strength, is now gone? You can right away see where we are. Is this an unhealthy trust that I was trusting in my security or did I just enjoy it? Because I enjoy having freedoms. I enjoy my health and I enjoy having financial security. I think everyone does. Who wouldn't? But you can see it as these things are threatened. Do we go deeper into anxiety and overwhelm and fear? Or do we have a control response? Or do we find ourselves going deeper and deeper into prayer? Do we find ourselves more concerned with our own security? Or as we pray, are we concerned about the hurting that are around us? See, the answers to those questions will be very uh, helpful in determining if this is a pseudo source of strength for you. All right, so let's move on to the next point here because I want to I get to the, to the final end, which is it's turning our trust to the Lord. How do we do that? So blessed to be stressed. And I took this from a coffee mug that I have <laughs> or that my wife has. Anyways, I, I won't go into details on that. But blessed to be stressed, it's catchy and it's easy to remember. But we are blessed to be stressed. In 2020, I think all of us have been put into a certain amount of overwhelm, whether we'd like to admit it or not. Uh, something I've been saying casually around here is that I it feels like if we had a capacity bucket, Everyone has about 30 to 40% of that bucket full just by being and living through 2020 alone. So whatever else you normally had in there, you have an automatic 30 to 40% that might have even increased now if you're someone who's actually being directly affected by COVID-19. So what is that revealing? It's shaking something in us. Governments, churches, families, individuals, communities. It feels like financial security, jobs, health. Everything, it seems like planet-wide, is being shaken. And when you see something this big, we can't just say it's just happening outside of God's control. Something in us, when you see something so large, has to beg the question, Lord, what are you doing in all of this? What is your plan in all of this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Because you're sovereign over all. And I think, I wonder, like we said in the beginning, we said if all we have is Jesus, we still have more than enough. You see, sometimes we make a statement like that, but the thing is, you know, unless you're ever in a spot where all you have is Jesus, how do you actually know he's enough? 
unless you've had some of those other sources of pseudo-strength stripped away, how could you ever discover the joy and the love and the care of who Jesus is and what he wants to be for you in your life? My mom went through something years ago, and she still is going through it, but she had 10 brain surgeries. I won't go through the whole story now, but 10 different surgeries as they tried to fix a leak of CSF coming out of her skull through her nose. That should have killed her multiple times. And that's involved with my own testimony that caused my own kind of hurt from the Lord that I had to wrestle through for years. But speeding forward, so I won't go through all the the years of agony, and she she still suffers from it. She still has painful headaches that I can't even imagine because it, uh, I think if I'm getting it right, what was happening is there's so much pressure building up in her skull, it was actually cracking her skull. So imagine having a headache from pressure building up that was cracking bone. That's essentially what was happening. So that's how they finally fixed it with a shunt. Anyhow, that aside, when you talk to my mom, because you would think nobody would want that. She wouldn't wish that on anybody else, ever. She would not want anybody to suffer the way she has suffered. And yet, when you talk to my mom and you ask her, if you could, you know, if you had the power, if you were God, would you take it away? She'll tell you, probably with tears in her eyes, not a chance. Because she will tell you, not me, she'll tell you that she was self-sufficient before. She didn't need anybody and certainly didn't need the Lord. She loved him. She loved him, of course, and would have said, he is Lord, I love him. Absolutely, yes, there was no question there. But when it came down to what was she trusting in for strength, she had all that she needed right here. She could do it herself. And it took a horrific amount of pain and 10 brain surgeries later for her to be brought to a place where she needed others. She had to rely on others, and she learned what was most important, to rely on the Lord alone. And that woman, my mom, has faith. And she has encouraged many. I can't even tell you how many people have gone and told her, the way you have gone through what you've gone through has given me the courage to go through what I'm going through. So lots of good has come out of it. But one of the main things that my mom will tell you was what that God was doing in her life was taking an area where she trusted in herself and he was moving it into an area where she could now truly trust in him. And that's what a refiner's fire does to all of us. First Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Church, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Hebrews 12 said, it's not, he doesn't discipline those whom he doesn't love. He dis, this, this fiery trial, he does it to those he cares about. He cares about us enough to, to take those impurities that are deep down inside and to bring them to the surface. But once we see them, we have an obligation to do something about it. And I feel like that is an opportunity that we are having in all of this. And I'm not saying it's easy. We need each other in this. We need to be praying for each other and bearing with each other's burdens and loving each other and encouraging each other through this time. But we also need to be taking those hurts, those stresses, those fears, those things we're struggling with during 2020. We need to bring them to the foot of the cross and we need to find our peace and our strength in Jesus alone. Paul had to go through this. We, want, we do not want you to be unawares, brother. Oops, there we go. Of... Uh, 
Yeah, I'll skip that part. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is exactly what my mom would tell you she learned through the struggles that she went through. It is the same message. Paul himself had to go through it. James 1, 2 to 5 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, is what it says there. And then it goes on to say, if we need wisdom, if we want to know what God wants us to do, we can ask him and he'll gladly tell us. Church, we're facing a hard year as a church. We're facing a hard year as a community, as individuals. We're facing a hard year as a planet. It's true. But now is our time to turn to the Lord for strength. Now is the time for us to rise up and be the church and to put our faith and trust in the Lord alone. I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to skip through these uh, last couple of points here. I'm just going to put this up here. And I'll just briefly touch on them, and then I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to sing some worship together, and we're going to close. These are the steps to growing our trust in the Lord. The first thing is we need to identify those fears that keep us from trusting him and receive inner healing. That is by far, that is the first step. Identify what are the fears that are keeping you from from trusting the Lord with all of your heart. What are those sources of pseudo-strength that you are going to? Identify them, bring them to the Lord in prayer, and have him speak truth into you. Generally speaking, there's a fear behind something or lie-based thought that's keeping you from trusting the Lord in an area. Then we need to pray. That's the inward step. We need to pray. Take your troubles, your needs, your life to the Lord. Know him, love him, and trust will become more natural. And lastly, as we go through this season, let's look for someone who, needs, who, need, who has a need that is greater than ours or a need that is the same as ours. Look to love others. Look to be the church. And this is how we'll grow. Let's worship together a final song and then I'll pray for you. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com. 